Well, uh, as I want to do, I'm sure last year uh, I insulted a regional uh, power, one that I live in here, the Netherlands, when it was, uh, it was this, December 5th is like Sinterklaas Day, where um, if you're lucky and you have kids of the right age, Sinterklaas comes to your front door and bangs on it and leaves a burlap sack of, of gifts. Now, like all sort of like non-Christmas Christmases, and this would be a fun book to have the the a book of like secondary Christmases that happen across the world. Um, but, you know, like, like all secondary Christmases, it's like not this sort of like gorging on gifts. It's just uh, in the instance of my kids, I think they each got two gifts. But also what they do, not they, what Santa Claus does. I don't want to have any spoilers here. Uh, but also what Santa, they listen to the podcast. <laughs> what Santa Claus does is like is like they he throw he or or, or Zwart Pete or whatever. Maybe one day it'll just be Pete. We'll find out what happens. But but he and Pete throw a bunch of uh pepper noten and this other kind of noten. Chris they're like little you know you what, might get what's a noten? Well a noten is a, the Dutch word for nut. And and a pepper noten is like this little piece of bread that has a slight licorice taste to it. Now, I'm going to come back to that, but they also have this thing, you know, if you were to get an espresso and there might be this kind of like half spherical ginger cookie you would get on the side. Like a biscotti? Yeah, it's it's more like about the size of the tip of your thumb, like in circumference. Anyways, I forget what those are called. It's something else noting, and they just throw a bunch of those, they being Santa Claus and Pete. There's a bunch of those spread out as if sort of like some sort of like little adventure time confectionery thing exploded on your doorstep. Uh, now, last year, I probably mentioned that the pepper noten don't taste good at all and they're terrible, but I think that's because Santa Claus shopped at the wrong store last year to get the pepper noten. And the, the, the Santa Claus must have gone to a bakery that baked them fresh, and they're delicious. I have a little bit of them right here. They still have this mysterious licorice taste in them, which I think uh. over the years, I've probably been on the record as wondering why licorice exists. I feel like... It was one of those medieval flavorings that existed before, like good flavor was widely available. <laughs> yes, and they were probably oh, just like they were probably like I don't know. We've got a bunch of sticks laying around. Why don't we try to grind them down and uh, see if it tastes good? And they're probably licorice sticks, and they're like we we got mysteriously this thing that tastes terrible. We have tons of them uh, around that are freely <laughs> available. Nobody will eat them, <laughs> and so maybe we should try to make something out of them. But yeah, they're pretty good, and they're, also you can get these. Uh, they have these, uh, if you imagine like a, a long pastry dough thing that you might expect a sausage to be in, they also make these things that are called like almond staves, and they have uh, they have basically like marzipan in them, and I've got a little mm. bit of that as well. So it's a very, very healthy evening of snacking here, but I don't know, I think, I think I'm close. I think if they made a pepper noten that didn't have a licorice taste, uh, that would be delicious, but I'll, I'll stick with these licorice ones uh, while I'm here. And then, and then the last note for the careful listener, you may, you may recall that these were thrown about the doorstep. And so it's true. I'm eating things from the doorstep, but what else, what are you going to do? Let them go to waste? <laughs> like, like my son the other day, you know, they, they're starving when I pick them up at school. Uh, I don't know if this is common, but it's just like, you know, they just got to eat something immediately. I don't know if this is a habit yeah. that I've built oh, up absolutely. or it's like biologically true. Uh, but the other day, I brought them a croissant. Uh, I either bring them a croissant or a pan au chocolat, or however you say that, or maybe a, uh, a large croissant. And I brought them a croissant, and he just accidentally dropped half of it. And he just, like, lost his shit for 20 minutes. 
It just mm-hmm. like it was just like him against the world with the, uh, the yes. croissant. But what I was trying to tell him is that like, I mean, you drop the croissant, it's okay. There's just a little bit of dirt on it. You can eat it. Not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> but instead, what he did is he just like threw the croissant like into the forest somewhere, and um, oh. I don't know. It's very upsetting. I don't know what I mean. You you have a lot of kids, Matt Ray, like five or six. <laughs> like, <laughs> like do I, I? I don't have a bus to drive them around do, in, but I, I have three. Do I need to just like start giving my kids like two turkey legs for lunch? Is that is that what's going on there? How do I rate how much food they like when I put them to bed at night? It's very common that Cormac is like, "I'm hungry and I want to eat something." Yes. Or this doesn't happen that often. Last night, he woke up at 3.30 a.m. in the morning, and he said, oh, my, my stomach hurts. I'm really hungry. And, like, mm-hmm. like what are you going to do as a parent? You can't be, like, like uh, whatever Oliver Twist, like, you know, uh, guy was and be like, no, you don't get to eat. Like, no. if the kids say you're hungry, like, as long as they say, you know, as long as the, the answer is, and I want to eat some chocolate, like, you got to feed them. Yeah, right? I, I think the key is, you know, you, like each of my kids, I know when I have I have one child who gets extremely hangry, mm-hmm. right? And and yes, we we meet him with the you know the croissant at the door or you know or with a backup in case he drops it and it goes in the woods. Um, <laughs> so I need to back backup. <laughs> all right. In in the the case of my child, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I have another who uh, every night you know around ten ten thirty he gets up and has a bowl of cereal. Uh, <laughs> um, and chugs about half a gallon of milk, but that's, oh, that's man. another problem. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but definitely, um, you know, as long as you're not feeding them junk, it's probably fine. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll sort that stuff out. It's like, okay. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. Now, now Too- where, where, where are we on bread? Is bread junk? <laughs> <laughs> not for kids. Okay. So I can just feed them bread. No problem. <laughs> No, no. I mean, you know, you try to you try to offset it with uh, some occasional vegetables, maybe a little protein. Mm. Throw some nuts their way, some cheese. You nuts, know. okay. So nuts, uh, wait, but not cheese. Apparently, not cheese. Okay. Um, Brandon corrected me recently on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, probably not load them up on bread. But bread is not uh, verboten. You know, it's uh, okay. okay. Yeah. I feel like for kids, though. I, I mean, as uh, as I've kind of gone through, I guess the typical cycle. You worry at the beginning when they're babies, like introducing food, and there's this belief that you're gonna like every meal will be specially prepared of only organic food. And then as older, you're like, oh, I just can't, I don't have time. And now I'm on the side of like with kids. I mean, especially, I guess elementary school kids, it just feels like it's just raw calories. It's just like yeah. I, I don't know. They're just yeah, growing yeah, so yeah. much. It's just so we do. We especially my son. I mean, we kind of kid him. But he often, you know, eats like he gets up early. He's an early riser. So like he'll eat like right when he gets up and then I'll eat again before he goes to school. So we often kind of kid him that he has two breakfasts, but it's like, it's fine. It seems to be, you know, the way that he, he likes yeah. to eat. So yeah. all for it, man. Go for it. All right. Yeah. All as right. long as it's healthy stuff. Yeah, it's fine. You know, I mean, not, it doesn't even have to be healthy, healthy. I just, you know, just say- not candy. Like not, <laughs> not wrong. It's sugar. a low bar, man. It's a low say, bar. It is a low bar. I was gonna say we're we're fine with the. I, I hope bread's okay because uh, he eats a lot of that, a lot of var- variations of bread. So it's like I seems mean, to be I, fun yeah. you know, here's the thing with bread. Like I think, how long has humanity been around? Twenty, fifty thousand years. It's worked out so far. Like <laughs> I don't want to be a Nassim Taleb guy, but like I feel like 
I feel like bread. <laughs> what does he have against bread? Oh no no no, no 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 he did, no I, I'm I'm being like him. He in one of his books he's like. I only like to eat food that humans have eaten for like 500 plus years. Um, I feel yeah, like, so, so I feel like so over over the eons, it's been proven out, and so therefore, like bread, you know, bread. I think maybe in in the the order of of uh, friend of humanity, dogs, bread, right? And, then, and dog? then, may I don't know, bread might be contending with alcohol. It's hard to know. Definitely. They're kind of the same definitely. thing, but like definitely, dogs number one. And then bread slash alcohol. That's 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 what's brought us to where we are. So I think I think we're cool with. I like bread. it. I like it. Now now I want to I want to be clear. I am not recommending that for for Brandon's son's second breakfast he have alcohol. <laughs> it would no. make the school day so much maybe, smoother. Maybe on Saturday as a treat, but not not on a school day. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, we're coming up as speaking of Santa Claus and, and his buddy Pete. Uh, you know, I don't want to step in the, the, the Pete mud pie, as it were. I'll, I'll, as I mentioned last time, I'll, I'll stay away from that. But uh, the holidays are coming up, which means we need to come up with some, uh, some filler episode. Because one, there will be no news. Filler is the wrong word. We need to come up with a novel approach to content. Because there will be no tech news of note, except like, you know, the usual ridiculous stuff. I'm sure there'll be some security breach. We'll worry about, like, whatever Facebook oh, is up to. The usual stuff. The usual. And maybe there'll be some layoffs of, of uh, weird companies. Just in time for the terms. holidays? Yeah, obscured by uh, yes. attention. But so there's a couple of things where we, we were brainstorming about some interviews we could have with people, which they all sounded wonderful. But I was also thinking we should ha- maybe have an episode where we answer questions from you, the listener. And uh, so... If you probably know where, how to find our Slack channel, but also Brandon su- suggested a hashtag, or as uh, as one of my coworkers Taco Bob calls it, hash browns, uh, which I think is funny. But I think I think either you can go to our Slack channel and and submit a question, or you could use the hashtag uh, Ask SDT or Asks DT, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but you should send us some questions. What Ed, I don't really, it doesn't matter what the topic is, as long as it's not a dumb question. Uh, and uh, I guess we can sort out the dumb ones, but it's extra work. But you should submit questions and we'll, uh, we'll uh, aspire to answer them on, on some exciting episode, which is definitely not filler. It is a fun content. Uh, that, definitely that not filler. That's right. Well, it, w- it was Thanksgiving last week. We did a little c- catching up before before uh recording here but now both all of us are uh experienced to use the kind word did you did you all have any insights into uh thriving and surviving on thanksgiving this year that are new and novel any anything you want to throw out there that uh, you discovered (laughs) you mean move to australia um you know there, there wasn't a lot of uh, drama for for our Thanksgiving. It was, uh, you know, we had we had a very nice meal, uh-huh. um, but uh, that was about it. You know, no, yeah. no family drama. You know, yeah. the the quick, uh, quick twenty minute call uh, to say hi to everybody while you know they were having their big event. You know, you know what I was what I was surprised about uh, is. And maybe maybe it was just because I forget who was asking. Maybe it was coworkers, and they work for an American company that they know. But there were several not Americans who like knew that it was Thanksgiving, which was uh, hey. sort of. It's like I mean, I'll be uh, I honest, mean, I'm, I, I don't know when Bastille Day is 
or, or, or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I don't track well, these other holidays. It's July 14th. Everyone's asking. I'll just everyone knows about Bastille yeah, Day. Yeah, everyone okay. knows Bastille Day. <laughs> okay, I don't know it. <laughs> Why do you know when Bastille Day is? Everyone knows when Bastille Day is. Everybody knows. It's no, very important. No. Wait, yes. what? What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is it? Is this I, like I, that I, semester of French history that I skipped out on? Is that? Is that what happened? Uh, I don't know. I actually I don't know why I know, but I know. But no, I, I, I think everybody knows. I, I, you know, I think there's definitely a bit of you know American uh, media saturation, and that's why everybody knows when American holidays are. Yeah, I thought it was because we. I thought you told us last week it's because we export great things like Black Friday, where it's just like it's just uh, yeah, any sure. reason to get discounts, yes. right? Like, who's not in favor of that? Like random internet discounts. Everybody, the whole world's in boy, on that. Boy, boy, I, I was I was in Belfast earlier this week, and I got I got a delightful earful from a uh, from a Belfast uh, like taxi cab driver about Black Friday. He he was spinning out this this broad. Was he a cons- fan? Well, it was hard to tell. He, it turns out he was he was an older gentleman. He was a huge fan of the Kennedys, which makes total sense if, if you think about it, right? Like he he we started talking, and uh, you know I, I was I was you know he asked where I'm from, blah blah blah, and I say I'm from Texas, and he's like, oh, I'd love to go see to Dallas to see D- Daily Plaza, and and I was like. What? (laughs) And then, and then, you know, he kind of just kept talking about how, you know, it was a tragedy that he was shot there and Kennedy was a big deal. And just like a month before he was shot, he had come to Ireland to visit and he's the first U.S. president that came there. And like, you know, again, if you think about it, you're like, oh, right, because the Kennedys were Irish and they were Catholic. And so, like, he was the first Catholic president. I don't know about Irish. yeah, but that's like fifty-seven years ago. I, I, and I. Well, this is an older, older fella. And, okay, uh, but yeah, he was going on and on about him, which, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It was, it was, it was. Uh, it's good to have hobbies, and uh, and but then he started talking about Black Friday, and you know, he was he was saying how you know I'm pretty sure they don't bring the prices down, and it's not actually on sale, and. Then we talked about uh, TJ Maxx, which they call TK Maxx over here, and how they do yep, stuff, yep. but like. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was trying to be oddly enough the positive person and be like, well, yeah, I mean, if they have it at the price you want, ha ha ha. I mean, that's, that's kind of like my, my, uh, my internal monologue when I'm, when I'm just talking with, with strangers is who, who have an opinion is just, ha ah, ha when's this yeah. right over? Uh, yeah. Just drop me off. Next corner, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, then I'd never get anywhere. So so then let me close out this topic because I did have this discussion. Now, where – if you were to rank – you know, whatever the ranking system is, uh, if you were to rank the American holidays, what would – American what would the, cultural the, exports. Not even the exports. Just like I was trying to figure out like, you know, okay. If you were to rank the American holidays, what are, what are the, the like top three? Would you would you say and and ranking is like, let's say, if you were to walk up to you know, five hundred random Americans, one that'd be a lot of walking. But this would be kind of like most of them would would agree on average or whatever that these were like the ranking of the top three ones. What what, what do you think they would be, Brandon? I think it would be Thanksgiving, Christmas. I think that would be a solid one too. Uh-huh. I think you would normally, and then I think for third place you'd get a lot of. Of various votes, be my guess. I think mm. 
for Halloween. Halloween. Like I would, <laughs> I would say either uh, July Fourth. I think would probably be in there if I had to pick. And I think uh, I like I tend to like the the days that are just like like Labor Day is a great one because yeah. it's just it's just a day Labor off. Day you know, sweet. I mean. You don't even have to. Uh, it's really just kind of end of summer, and it's, it's not. I don't know. It's just not related to any other important, you know, related event. It's just like a day off to have a day off. So I, I kind of like those the best. So I would probably. That's what I'd say. Thanks, Chris. Thanksgiving, Christmas, just because they're close together, and it's just a night. People are generally in a good mood. I think for that six, eight weeks, and yeah. just like people are nicer. And then, uh, then you have that long thing, and then you go, okay, then Labor Day. It's like ah. Oh, Great. It's it's almost like, oh, we're getting close to Thanksgiving and Christmas again. So that, there you go. Those now, 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 Matt Ray, you mentioned Halloween. I would never have thought of that, but I think if you skewed the age down, that yeah. one might definitely come up. So that, you're- that, That's a big one. And, and I was thinking more along the lines of like American holidays that have been exported mm. that we kind of force other people to celebrate. Because, you know, other countries, they don't care so much about the 4th of July um, or Thanksgiving. Yeah, and nobody does it quite as over the top as the U.S. does for you know Christmas. Um, yeah, yeah, and and Halloween, except for Japan, right? Like the Japanese love Christmas and Halloween because they're the like most consumer consumerist holidays out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that makes them a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> you know during uh, during October when when I would be in uh, I guess I was only in London at the time, but I'd I'd be up in London. And you know me, I like to go to the grocery stores wherever I am. So I'd go in the grocery stores and they'd have Halloween stuff. And I just internally, I'm just like, oh, fuck, not this shit again. And it's just like, yep. you know, let's, it'd be great to keep the Halloween in the, in the borders of the U.S. Well, it's, it's fine there, but like, I feel like we don't need to spread that cheer. It should just be contained. <laughs> But at least in the U.S., you have like nice segmentation. You know, you've got the the lead up to Halloween, so the stores are all you know Halloween themed, and then you've got the lead up to Thanksgiving, and then you've got the lead up to Christmas, right? And so, and and then the lead up to Valentine's Day, right? So the the you know the stores always have something to sell you. Um, but it, over here in Australia, it's like they don't really do Halloween much, and they don't do Thanksgiving, so the Christmas stuff just slowly seeps in, and you're like. Is it October a little early for Christmas? And you're like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty much the the rankings that I I, I put I put uh, I put uh, Christmas first, followed by Thanksgiving, and then July fourth. That's that's what I was thinking of. But I think I think oh, I think hmm, I'll have to think of the Labor Day one because you also get July fourth off. But you know, yeah. Well, July fourth, you can usually make you know a four or five day weekend out of it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're getting at least a three day weekend because you'd be like, if it's on a Saturday, I got to take the Friday. You know, if it's on a Wednesday, you get the whole week. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Well, you know, you know, sometimes these, Speaking these, of all week. these week long <laughs> vacations come up and you want to make sure that all your infrastructure is like set up properly in your applications because you actually want to enjoy the fireworks and not have to handle fireworks in the data center. Now, Brandon. Is there something that might help you check up on all of your stuff and make sure that it's running properly so you can enjoy some ice cold Bud Light while you watch fireworks? <laughs> well, indeed there is. This episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. No one wants to find out about a critical operational issue on Twitter. With SolarWinds Logly, you can spot issues before they affect users by setting up alerting that will notify you immediately when a problem arises. Why stop there? 
take it further and proactively monitor your applications using the Logly charts and dashboards to help you visualize what matters and quickly spot patterns across dynamically changing and interconnected services, events, and issues. Connect the dots <clears throat> with your log data with Logly. Logly is scalable, cloud-based log management that won't break the bank. Plus, STT listeners get a special 20% off your first yearly contract of Logly from now until December 31st. When you mention that you're an S- a listener of SDT, new customers only, void where prohibited. And might I add, a subscription to Logly would be a great Christmas gift for your IT professional in your house. So please, please take advantage of that before it's all done. So this is what I want you to do. Go uh, to try it for free for 14 days. Just go to logly.com slash SDT. That's L-O-G-G-L-Y dot com slash SDT. And if it logs, it can log to Logly. And of course, we thank Solowens for being such a great sponsor. Mm, excellent stocking stuffer. You know, maybe that's another episode we should have. Is I was thinking we should do a roundup of, of recommendations, but maybe just stocking stuffers. I think I think that's that's right up our alley there. And I think you know, I think if 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 one played it right throughout the year and you went to a lot of conferences, you could have several stockings full of stuff that was conveniently Ooh, branded. Definitely. You definitely. It's but you would have to make sure you did not go to the swag free conferences though. Mm. Well, you know if you Oh sorry, go ahead. No. Go ahead. I was going to say, if there's anyone out there who wants to sponsor a stocking stuffer episode, I think I think uh, that we we would uh, we could figure that out. Well, we have two ads this week because you, the listeners, are so uh, dutiful in your patronage that people have seen fit to offer <laughs> things that they think may help you and also help us. Uh, so we're going to have a geographic oddity. Now, we had a lot of geography at the beginning, sort of reverse geographic oddity for two of us here but i i uh as mentioned i was in belfast and uh we were my my wife would being thrifty she found some christmas gift items that were more affordable in belfast than amsterdam so she ordered them at this electronic store called argos i i don't know how to pronounce that but a-r-g-o-s and so i went to a mall to pick it up and basically there's no store there's just a counter with these long rows behind it and you give them like your order number and they go back into the rows and they find your order and they bring it to you and uh, that's it, right? It's kind of like an old school grocery store where you can't actually touch the products. Whoa. And then, and then they, have, uh, they have some screens where you can order stuff. You can walk up and order things that they might have or order it and pick it up later. And, and I was thinking, so when there's a good geographic oddity, a store that you go pick things up at. Sounds very omni-channel, but I think it's unichannel. I don't know if they deliver. But uh, that kind of delivery thing. And do y'all remember, I almost forget the name of it, but in the 80s, there was a department store, maybe called Best, where you would walk yeah. in there and they would have a yes. floor with some of the things. But then yep. when you wanted to buy it, you would like write it down like an Ikea and go pick it up at, at, at some place. And it reminded me of that. that. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember the store, but I don't remember that aspect of it. Maybe I, thought, was maybe I wasn't store doing that it like the vacuum tubes, like you put the thing in, like a vacuum order tube, and then it got delivered to like a Whoa. deck or to like a uh, a loading dock. And this is a long time ago now. This yeah, is, this it might have, on. but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I I only ever saw the one that was in Austin, and it's the store is over on 290 by the Volvo dealership, and it's been like an Austin Community College thing, and it's also been like I think a City of Austin service center or something like that. 
Like, I think I went there to renew my passport once. It's like, you know where there's the Volvo dealership and the Dan's and then yeah. there's kind of like Capitol Plaza in that area. There's like that, that gigantic yep. structure that used to be a best. Mrs. Baird's bread. Oh, Mrs. Baird's bread. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh, that's, that's in like the tertiary realm of like Texas food. You got your Blue Bell and your Mrs. Baird's bread kind of just hovering over there i i read a review that the uh, the franklin's people and someone else opened a breakfast taco place and <laughs> i didn't read that much of the review but the review was like yep it's breakfast tacos that have barbecue in them just moving on mm-hmm. which kind of to that point like i don't really know what you're gonna do with the breakfast taco place to sort of like like i feel like a breakfast taco is either good or it's shit and so like but there's not like super good it's just like you, you you either make it well or it's not good at all. And it's look, uh, I, I would I would be happy with adequate at this point. I got none of them here. <laughs> Yesterday I had a spinach ricotta roll oh for breakfast, and it was so disappointing. Ricotta, <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah. I, back in the day, it would have been breakfast tacos. I would have yeah. had my choice. Now, I, you know, because I'm I'm not going to load up on bread. I think I think I think <laughs> ricotta is like the licorice of queso. It's sort of like it's all they had at the time. It's oh, like an no. early innovation that was has since been superseded by a superior product, and uh, and yet it hangs on. I guess you put ricotta in lasagna, right? So, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Like. A- not a breakfast taco. Not a good breakfast. Yeah. Well, you know, let's say that you really were looking for uh, breakfast tacos, and a new place launched over there in Australia, but their servers went down, and and oh, uh, no. you couldn't locate them. Now, what is a product you might have wished that they were running so that they could bring those servers back up, so you didn't have to suffer through some sort of spinach ricotta monstrosity? <laughs> well, Cote, this episode is brought to you by PagerDuty, and in Always On World, teams trust PagerDuty to help them deliver a perfect digital experience to their customers every time. With PagerDuty, teams spend less time reacting to incidents and more time building for the future. With from digital disruptors to Fortune 500 companies, over 12,000 businesses rely on PagerDuty to identify issues and opportunities in real time and bring together the right people to fix problems faster and prevent them from happening again. We're like the central nervous system for a company's digital operations. So we can analyze digital signals from virtually any software-enabled system and help you intelligently pinpoint issues like outages, as well as capitalize on opportunities, empowering teams to take the right real-time action. To see how companies like GE, Vodafone, Box, and American Eagle Outfitters rely on PagerDuty to to continuously improve their digital operations, visit pagerduty.com. Also a great stocking stuffer. (laughs) (laughs) So I did not have the privilege of watching all the reInvent keynotes live, but I know that not only did Brandon have the privilege, but several people in the old software-defined talk community in the Slack world. It seemed uh, it seemed like there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. I read uh, I read a Ben Thompson summary of it. Oh, I missed it was, that. Uh, it was all right. You know, I think he was making a point about. Uh, he ba- briefly touched on, you know, you've got to transform what you're doing. He talked a lot about all of the various database options that they have. And uh, and then he mentioned the outpost thing and the, yeah. uh, discussed that a little bit. But that was about it. It was a fine little update. You know, no problem. But since you were following it so closely, Brandon, give us uh, what was going on this year. What uh, what do you think the big deal is? Big deal is 
Well, I think we always start off this year uh, with every AWS reInvent. We start off with the most important thing, the house band. So one, if anyone was concerned, the house band was indeed back. The I tell you this, AWS reInvent committed to a structure. So without a doubt, um, it was, uh, I think it was exclusively, uh, as uh, someone in the Slack channel said, uh, dad rock. So it was a lot of like oh. the doors. Uh, it was, uh, you know, so it, it definitely skewed a little bit older, which, you know, frankly, I have to say, I'm probably, purchasers. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> closer to that world than I am to that. But it was funny because on the Monday night event, um, where they have that was was actually hosted by like very much like a, a, a DJ kind of reminded me a little bit of Chef Comp right still think Chef Comp still best music right so that so it was interesting to see uh, uh, Andy Jassy come out and kind of do his thing now and the other thing is I say this every year but I feel like it's willing again it's like it is three hours of Andy Jassy just going full board there I mean the only time there's even a bio break are the customer sessions they had. Uh, Formula One come out, I think Goldman Sachs, and then like a biotech company. But even I was obviously watching it online with lots of people on the Slack channel. Um, but people that were there said that like, the bathroom lines got really long when uh, like a customer came out because I mean there's just like no time to like even get up. So uh, he, so, I mean, so do, I, do, I think, do you think do you think they got like some pee jugs backstage or something? Like what? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I will say this though, for like, for Jassy. Or just for know, for me. anyone involved, like all the people dressed in black who got to like run the AV stuff. Like I don't know. I it's mean, a good question. Uh, I will say to in the, you know everywhere. This is I guess very much counter to what uh, I know. Good quote unquote presentation or keynote is is that um, you know every, we've seen it a million times. Like you're there, then they bring up a customer, and the customer's supposed to like and we're supposed to empathize with it and like give us some real world example. This is really the only keynote where I actually just I actually just want more Jassy like. He is in such stream of conscious and he could easily go three hours and he's just so much information. I I think they could just do away with the, the customer sessions. I mean, there'll, there'll be plenty of time and other keynotes for that. Like, it just seems like, you know, he has a lot to say. And I, I was watching this time pretty closely. The only time that I think he really went to like read anything off a prompter was when he had to read back the quote from the song that was like the bridge to like the next thing. He would look down and like read the quote from the doors or something. And then he would just launch right back into uh, announcement after announcement after announcement. So I do, I do think, you know, it's, it's maybe an acquired taste of the keynote style, but I love it. The Jassy keynote, I feel like I am just locked in listening. Uh, And he talks really fast, which I like. I know, again, people say that's bad, but he talks very fast. He has total command of the subject. I I would go so far. I mean, someone made this point was comparing him to Larry Ellison, right? And it was like, yeah, I mean, it's just night and day, right? Like you just, just imagine how on top of this is. And I I do, I'm always wondering, I just would love to see his schedule. I'm like, how does he stay on top of all of this stuff? Like, is it a matter, does he do a lot of just independent reading or is it just, is he constantly being briefed um, by like a, a whole staff, keeping him up to date on everything from database? to AI, to infrastructure, to networking, you know, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed with that. So that was my, uh, my biggest thing. Maybe, um, maybe they've got a, an automaton that's just, you know, reading the script. Yeah. Maybe I mean, I mean, I like I'll, also, uh, next year, AWS uh, reInvent that they announce all these time. It's been a robot. Welcome to the future, right? Also, <laughs> we, we keep on top of all this tech news. So, I mean, it's not that hard. We're not robots. It's true. It's not that hard. I guess we could do it. So, but I think the the major things, right? So he kind of always does like his 
his architecture is always sort of like bottom up, right? So you can kind of, and on the Monday night event, right, it was a lot about, the Monday night event was all about how you can basically, you know, AWS has built a supercomputer, you know, for, um, you know, essentially running like, uh, what is it, high, high performance workloads, um, which was interesting, but I just, I've, I've just found it very hard to relate to. I was just, I don't know how many, so, my only thought there was, I guess that's just like their thought leadership for the year. Like you kick off and you're just like, yes, if you are somebody that was thinking about buying a supercomputer and you didn't want to do that or you wanted to just, you know, do it more cheaply or you know, certainly have access to more technology, then, you know, you could do that. So that that kind of kickoff on Monday night was sort of like, I don't know, it was just kind of weird. It was like it wasn't very relatable, whereas the Jassy keynote is 100 percent relatable. So number one, I would say. I, you know, it does feel like this is the year. I mean, I think they've had a lot of discussion about Oracle and replacing databases, but he went through the database stuff in pretty good detail. And it does feel like, um, you know, kind of like maybe a callback to Sun, right? Sun being kind of displaced by Red Hat and Linux. It's like, it feels like the Oracle thing. Like, I guess if you're an Oracle stockholder, I did feel like it is a perilous time. Like, it is clear because he kind of, I mean, he was relentless on right database, right problem. And then he kind of goes through, like, we've built, I can't remember how many there were. I think it was like 10 or 20 or, you know, basically they have a purpose built database for every situation. They're offering one for every situation. So that seemed to just kind of scream out. And it seems like they're doing pretty well uh, on that front, both listening to the keynote and just like listening to customers. I mean, one of the most common migration questions is like, I need to migrate away from Oracle for whatever reason. Um, So that, that came across as like, I, you know, I think my guess is if it's not happening, if we, if you feel like it isn't about to happen, I feel like there's going to be this tidal wave of uh, mass migrations from Oracle. I don't know if like where we are in that wave of it, like starting to crest or starting to get there, but it, it felt like AWS is locked and loaded now on that front. What did you think, Matt? Uh, I mean, a lot of the, the commentary, uh, kind of the meta commentary of of the keynote was um, people were saying he seemed more either defensive or aggressive towards the competition. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's clearly been a, a, a rising tide of Oracle bashing, but also um, the you know some of the Kubernetes stuff uh, specifically seemed like you know. Uh, aimed at the announcements from Microsoft and, and Google trying to, you know, assert Amazon's kind of dominance in the space, you know, or, or not, not their dominance, but, you know, they're like, you know, don't forget about us. We're, you know, we're clearly in the middle of all this and, uh, and, and the AI, you know, the AI stuff like Amazon need, you know, they all need to just keep constantly one upping each other on announcements um, just so, you know, if you're the, you know, the IT buyer trying to decide where you're going to move your enterprise, you know, you're not going to pick more than one. So, you know, you kind of have to like put all your eggs in one of these baskets. And so they all need to, you know, assert dominancy over, you know, kind of those, you know, three tiers of, of AI and, and, uh, data and, you know, compute and, uh, you know, um, I'm not really on the market. I, but, uh, I, I did like a lot of the announcements. It's just it's just a saturating number of announcements, um, which you know, going through, it's hard to it's hard to get excited about any one because there's so many. Which mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess that's that's a nice that's problem kind of to the, have. Yeah, the point, right? yeah. <laughs> well, but I do think I think you're bringing up a good point. Like, there's some stuff like kind of like because you know, of course, as we know, AWS, all Amazon, right? They're all say like relentlessly customer driven, right? That's sort of their yes. constant mantra. So, like, I think in the database side. That to me seems, you know, very genuine, and it seems like what they're doing is a hundred percent 
you know, um, driven through customer demand. Like I want, I'm, I oh, want yeah. different databases or everything. Now I do, but I think the places, cause there was a lot of talk about like, wow, he's mentioning competition a lot. And so I think, I think we need to take them like one by one. Okay. So AWS outpost, right? So they, I guess they originally announced it last year. Okay. And so, and so now it's generally available. And the real quick thing there is essentially it's an AWS rack of servers that you yep. can essentially buy and, you know, if you will plug into your data center and then you, you know, essentially have, um, you know, the, the cloud, um, you know, hybrid cloud, you know, on premises, wherever you want it. Now, yeah. the thing that, that this part feels like it is very much comp- competitive driven because I would say just putting aside for a moment, let's not even debate whether there should be private cloud, hybrid cloud and things like let's just not debate it for a minute. Let's just say like without a doubt, I believe customers have been asking for this for 10 years, right? They've basically been saying, I want some form of this. Now we can argue like, should they do that? Is that really the right solution? Things like that. So, but it was, it did feel a little awkward because he's like, wow, we've been talking to customers and it turns out, there are times where they don't want to move the workloads to the cloud. And you're like, uh, no, this has been, I mean, it, it felt like, you know, he's kind of like, it's like an epiphany well, to them. And it's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This has been almost from day one, people have been saying, I want these options. And so that part, it d- did feel like competitive pressure, like them sort of relentlessly or um, not relentlessly rather, but uh, kind of giving in, you know, it's, it's sort of like, Okay, we're not saying you're right, but we do, we're going to give it to you anyway. You know, it's almost like one of those kind of things, and but, um, but the and then announcing it like it's all new. And I was like, whoa, this has been discussed. And then the final point was just like, and this is what obviously Microsoft and Google have been talking about for a while. So that part felt like a competitive answer versus a, a customer driven answer. What did you think, Matt? Well, d- definitely that, but but the, the the you know they they finally relented and, and you know have this this hybrid cloud thing but they still are holding the line on the multi-cloud right they're like no 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 no. we'll let you bridge your private cloud you know whatever's inside your data center into aws but we're not talking about those other folks you know to the point where you know uh some of the articles say you know they're leaning on partners not to say multi-cloud and not to talk about you know azure and google and apparently ali baba cloud is is the number three not not google but uh you know so so maybe in two or three years you'll see more you know high uh multi-cloud i feel like this <laughs> you know, is how, almost how, how long can they hold out on that 100%. Like, I think right now, I mean, I don't know if it's time for the prediction shows, but like, at what point? Like, I think is it's just a matter of time. Is it going to be AWS 2020 or reInvent 2020 or 2021 where they announce support for other cloud platforms, right? It just feels like, you know, without a doubt. And, and it's kind of the same kind of thing. It's like, well, right now, there are our customers asking for that again we can debate whether it really is a good strategy and you know even people some i think uh our, f- our friend uh, patrick over at slow is like hey you know you you and matt were talking about how it was like it was crazy and it's like I, yeah that's totally true i think i i would not sell somebody right now like hey you need to go deploy a multi-cloud solution now what i do think right channel some uh, kelsey howtire here right is that as is Kubernetes platform, right? We're all working on a platform as a, as a service, even if we don't want to admit that, right? As that gets simpler, right? The idea of just taking infrastructure and saying like, yeah, I want you to be part of this Kubernetes, you know, installation that I'm running, right? Like think of like a Microsoft's Arc, uh, was it Arc? No, Arc, yeah, Arc. Their, their idea that like, hey, I can have my compute spread all over, right? And I can basically hook it up and decide to work w- workloads either in the public cloud, private cloud, or on servers I have. Like, as that gets simpler, right? I think that will clearly be something that enterprise customers demand. 
And that will, I think, will be the thing that will make AWS eventually rethink that and say, okay, they probably won't even say it by name, but they will say, like, we allow you to bring your own infrastructure or and or, you know, integrate with popular cloud vendors. And I think that's because, again, like we already see that demand today. So it's just a matter of time before I think they're going to actually do that. So, so what, it's a what, matter of time, the, uh, but they'll drag it out. What, what's like what's like the basis of like the the Oracle obsession that that everyone has? Like, like, like so I, you know, and to do my thing, like it seems like it seems like the usual thing. One, no one likes to spend money on high quality software. That's just like not cool uh, to do that. <laughs> uh, and so, like, sure, you don't want to pay a lot of money for that software, but then, like, you know, if you're a rival vendor, you would like to get money for that software. Uh, and then like, but, but like, if people don't want to use Oracle, like, isn't there like, I don't know, Postgres or something like what, right? like, and, and, and if they can't already move from Oracle to something else, then they're like stuck on Oracle yeah, because there's some technological impedance that makes it necessary for them to run on Oracle or they might even like it. And then it's sort of like, so then does this other stuff work, work equally well? And if they hate it so much. Like and and over the years, there's always been like people saying Oracle's terrible and like you should migrate off of it and move into something else. But like that's been going on for like over ten years, and so like and yet everyone still runs Oracle and has their data in it. So like, is there like are there pictures of people like you know peeing into a pee jug that Oracle reps use as blackmail that people can't move (laughs) off of it or something or like what? Uh, It seems like a weird situation. And sure, like. It's fun to make sure of like, you know, fun to make fun of Oracle and things like that. But there is something strange going on if like people think they're stuck on Oracle. Well, I mean, Oracle's, you know, people are not complaining about Oracle's technology, right? Mm-hmm. So so first you have to prove that, you know, you're capable. And, and you know, Oracle is, you know, uh, they've got a, a rock solid te- technological reputation. And so because of that, you know, it's the place where people have literally put, you know, their, their crown jewels. And because of that, Oracle has some, you know, they are, if you look at other pri- other enterprise vendors, Oracle is probably more of the pure software, whereas a lot of the other ones have probably a hardware angle that, you know, is harder to displace. Um, and so if, you, if you're like, well, who's making all the money on software? Well, Oracle's doing a pretty good job of that. You know, it's not like, yeah. you know, people, they're like, oh, we got to undercut Red Hat. I mean, they're, Red Hat's commoditizing it while Oracle's, you know, taking the profits. So it's like, if you're, if you're a new phone vendor, do you want to compete against all the other Androids or do you want to go after the iPhone? You know, it's, yeah. where's the money? And Oracle's where the money is. And probably the relatively easiest to displace right. if you can get into that account. And yeah, know. well, I do think, man, you're hit on some good points. And I think, and maybe to your your broader question, Coach, I think it's it's less about like, oh, like everyone just woke up and like we want to attack Oracle. It's I think it's the combination of Oracle. You know the spend, if you will, it's sort of like more noticeable now on that overall IT spend, right? Whereas maybe before, go back to Sun, yeah. it was like Solaris and Big Iron. You're like, why do I have to buy these servers, right? Now it's like, okay, why are we spending all this on Oracle? And then too, just just with the migrations that are going on as people move to the cloud, and you know, all of these project uh, products uh, and applications are modernized in different ways. I think it's natural for people to kind of just look at the stack and say, what's the most expensive part here? Are we, you know, happy with this relationship? 
Uh, does another purpose-built database potentially service better? Like in all those conditions together, I think are what sort of like, you know, kind of bring Oracle into the forefront of like, hey, maybe it's time to go ahead and, and migrate away from it. Um, much like I think the same thing, I think people generally liked Sun back in the day, right? But I think the same kind of thing. It was just like, it just makes sense for us to get off Solaris and these spark boxes and get on uh, Linux, right? It's just like, that was the time for that now. And that's, it feels like it's that's the Oracle challenge right now. Now, who knows, you know, let it play out. I'm sure, you know, there's all the Oracle technology, maybe they'll come out with something better and there won't be as many reasons to move off of it. But um, clearly AWS, I mean, they have a whole program, D- Database Freedom. Um, they have all these different databases. I mean, I think they clearly are seeing uptake on people moving to Oracle, or moving off Oracle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I mean, and, I mean, and that's in, the, in comparison the to like uh, like virtualization rolling out, and then even even like Windows rolling out. Like it seems like those two waves of shifting workloads from one type of thing to another like happened a lot faster than like moving away from Oracle, which seems to have been going on forever and ever. Which yeah, who knows? It's the crown jewel, man. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right, right. But it's just a matter of like figuring out like you know why it's the crown jewels like why, yeah. why it's able to maintain uh but whatever well the other thing they they hit on you know talking about maybe older technologies i mean certainly company i don't think we talk about as much you know intel but you know they uh aws came out and announced i think it's what the graviton 2 and basically they've come out with their own arm processor right that again yep. is you know, it's almost like the, uh, if you will, it's the enterprise version of the Apple work. It's like, oh, wow, it turns out we can use this these ARM processors for server workloads and they're going to be ma- manufacturing their own chips. So, you know, it's just one of those things like it, it seems like the, the full, I don't know, if you're in charge of Intel, I mean, talk, this is a tough, talk about some tough headwinds. It just feels like the whole industry, both you know, consumer grade iPhones and and uh, mobile devices, and then all the way up to the servers. Everybody's pushing towards ARM, and you know, when you look at the benchmarks, you know, it makes quite a well, bit of sense. So that's going to be interesting to see in the future. And on the x86 side, like the the recent uh, AMD processors are a lot better, you know, and and cost cost competitive, you know. So. You know, uh, the new Ryzen chip's got like 36 cores or some craziness like that, and it's you know cheaper and outperforms the Xeon, the latest Xeons. So it's like, ooh, you know, there things are things are rough all over for Intel all the way to their you know 10 billion a quarter market or whatever. <laughs> now, now you mentioned Brandon. There's some like uh, AI and machine learning stuff, which which uh, which I was looking at some. I think I think I think the one that stands out the most is sort of like uh, easy to wrap your heads around is. I guess it sounds really boring, but it's like the uh, uh, the the medical transcription service, which I guess uh, means that it's like specially machine learned for hearing about like kidneys and uh, things like that <laughs> and kind of picks up on those or maybe even like the way the doctors talk and their cadence and things like that. But, uh, you know, as I, I'm pretty sure it's not like a complete application because the example is like using some JSON interface for it, which I don't think I don't think doctors can do. Maybe nurse practitioners, uh, but but like it, it nurses does, it, doing all the real work. It, you know, when I was reading over that and some of the other ones, it does seem like uh, yeah, it's a good pragma, pragmatizing pragmatization of uh, you know. Obviously, you should never call anything artificial intelligence. That always is not going to work out for you. Uh, but like when it comes to like machine learning stuff, it's sort of like, oh, this is like you just pick a bunch of boring stuff like this mm-hmm. and like 
do it. And that's what all this like uh, data analysis stuff will, will pay off of. Not some, well, not some hard I, to understand, like uh, strange AI thing. Yeah. Well, the medical stuff I think is always the stuff that gets headlines and, you know, interesting enough. And, uh, but the one that I, the one that I thought was actually more compelling and I think it's probably maybe a little bit more boring was just their fraud detection. Right. Uh, so yes, right. essentially they, and it, it's, um, you know, cause you think about, you know, Amazon just in general, the number of transactions. And if you just think about just like, if there's a, a good problem, we should try to crowdsource a fix to, it's just fraud. So the idea that you could, uh, you know, come up with your own transactions, you know, and essentially say, you know, these are my good transactions. These are my fraudulent ones. Um, if you will upload this stuff to uh, AWS and then kind of get your own fraud detection. It's like, I mean, that to me is, you know, it's almost like a, an email spam filter. We're all working on together. I, I was like, this just makes total sense. Now, uh, I won't quote anyone in Slack because I'm not sure. I won't say their names. So I'm not sure if people want, want to be, um, uh, identified, but there was a lot of good comments. Somebody made the comment in there around, um, well, I don't know. I mean, are you really going to like upload all your transaction information to Amazon, right? Is that maybe a competitive uh, sense of information you're giving up? So I guess that's a good question, right? It's like, I don't, I don't know. Are they going to compete with you if they see that you're selling a lot of, uh, you know, I don't, you know, turkeys on Thanksgiving kind of thing or um, what, like what will go on with that? But I thought, I mean, just from a, a more simple view of like, yeah, that's the, that's a perfect problem that AWS should be solving. And there's a lots of companies that um, would never have the time or resources to do their own fraud AI, but almost everybody yeah. can benefit from it. Man, can you, can you imagine ordering a turkey from Amazon? That would be, that would be a story. <laughs> That well, I'm sure it's like I bet what, you they have whole, it, like whole Foods, right? I'm <laughs> yeah, sure there's some Whole Foods option, and I'm sure it could be delivered even. So I, I mean, I, they that, probably that already have just, it. That would just be great. Like this turkey is from Amazon. I or this is this is a prime turkey. You could get deals on it. Uh, that would be yeah. yeah that that is the futures you know, here, Cote. <laughs> it, it, it it makes me think like you know it, it, my my favorite sort of boring interesting uh, industry is always uh, insurance because it's sort of like uh, somewhat easy to understand what they do. And uh, I don't know. It'd be it'd be it'd be uh, fun, I guess. If in the same way that like you know, fraud detection is a is a uh, a system you can differentiate on, especially in credit cards and things like that. But I I guess you could just have like a cloud service that does like you know, should I insure this person or not? And then you could have another cloud service that basically like you uploaded cars of your uh, I mean cars. You uploaded pictures of your wrecked car, and it would like do some claims assessment on it. And yeah. Uh, that would Send be out like, a, a, an AI powered drone to take photos of it. Yeah, yeah, and that that would be kind of like a nutty type of uh, like you know strategic competitive advantage to like just commoditize. And you could do it on the front end too, right? Like how to if I'm going to insure a skyscraper, like here's a bunch of services I can use that allow me to just kind of like machine right. well, out what I should charge them. Yeah, I mean it's almost surprising that Amazon doesn't have more businesses like side businesses that take advantage of amazon i mean i guess you know they're, they're busy they're busy doing their own business but if, if you look at sh companies like you know like like google where you know they've got all the other stuff under the alphabet umbrella and a lot of it tries to you know, leverage things back at the home company you know why doesn't Amazon have an insurance company? Why doesn't Amazon have a bank? Why doesn't Amazon have you know? Well, they got a grocery store now, but uh, a delivery company. You know, all those things are coming, or you know. Yeah, I think that's maybe the you hit on. It. I think maybe the question is when, right? Like, I think they have a lot of these opportunities. It's just how many things can even they do at one time? Because um, you do think just 
just a, an immediate thing. Like, I'm surprised we all don't. I, mean, I bet we all have some kind of prime score inside of Amazon, right? Oh, that could probably be no. like your your FICO score, right? I mean, it's probably a great proxy. I bet you they have a pretty good idea of based on where you live and what you order, like your income, you know, how, how quickly you pay your bills. I mean, you got, you have to think that just all that data just sits in there, um, you know, that they could use for a number of reasons. You know, one of them being scoring credit, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to call in to verify some stuff with a, a financial institution uh, this week. And, you know, they did that. They did that absurd thing where they're like, you know, out of these three jobs, which one are you associated with? And like, yeah, which of these addresses, if any of you lived at and, and like, I don't know, I think we're beyond that being scary. You're just like, yeah, you work with Axion or whatever nonsense and you get the dump from the, turns out California DMV who like just sells all their data to someone, it sounds like, and blah, blah, blah. But like, on the, the other hand, it was like, this is the most rinky dink, stupid way to verify someone. <laughs> right? Like, like, why don't you instead like have me like log into Amazon and like send you a QR code. I mean, I don't understand any of this stuff, but it's just like, I feel like there's a much better way of like validating who I am than asking me like, you know, that I, I worked at Mesa internet systems or whatever nonsense. Oh, like, it's just a strange, really weird. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's like, yet yeah, it, it seems like some easy low hanging fruit of, of things that would do. And yet we still run Oracle for some reason it persists. <laughs> that's right. Well, they did for you, Cote, not a hundred percent related, but the, you know, something I uh, enjoyed uh, hearing about, they did launch, uh, what is it? The ability to, uh, identify unintended resource access with AWS identity and access management. Ooh. And so, uh, you know, that felt a lot like, Hey, we're going to help you so you don't make the uh, Capital One mistake. I mean, I, I didn't say that. They didn't say that, but that felt like maybe that was what that one was. Was um, which again, always mixed feelings. It's like, yes, it's very flexible. You can do anything in AWS, but it's so flexible that essentially now you need to um, go mind your access management to see if you have any like un- unknown privileged identity a- access mm-hmm. out there. Um, so that was that was interesting, and then someone. Uh, Someone said this in Slack, but of course I love this one too. Is they announced? Uh, I think Matt, you pointed this out as well. Like, uh, you know, integration with Active Directory. So yeah. I don't know. Oracle may be going away, but I'll tell you what's not going away: Active Directory. Active Directory will be the last thing that is replaced in enterprise stack. So well, um, it, it, you can yeah, definitely was, integrate uh, now. It was it was providing single sign-on through Amazon, right? So so they'll hook up to your AD and then they'll front. I mean, it seemed to me that it was more like a an Okta competitor. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, but, I, uh, I, it did, but it was one of those things where, but it's always, it's, it's, you may compete, but you're always integrating with, uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With Active no, Directory, no, no it's doubt, not like no, no doubt, one's, no, no one's trying to displace it. It's like we yes. integrate with Active Directory better, or we front in Active Directory well, Directory yeah. better than you do, and it's like, yeah, sure, but no one's ever yeah. like, we're getting rid of Active Directory. Yeah, that's no, never happening. No. They're they're happy to be your Active Directory as a service. They're happy to be your single sign-on in front of your Active Directory. They're you know they're gonna they're gonna provide everything. I mean there were there were a lot of announcements that were that were just like well of course we're gonna do this right and I mean things like you know the managed Cassandra I thought they already had that right mm-hmm. um, you know a lot of the announcements were just like polishing off, you know, the stories that they had and, you know, things that they obviously saw people doing with their products. Uh, You know, this is, you know, the drum we beat every year, but, you know, 
they see somebody doing something on AWS and decide that they're going to provide that as a service. Um, the the image build pipelines, you know, it's like how many people have put together, you know, Packer builds uh, on AWS. It's like, nope, we'll do that for you now. Um, the 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 Windows migration program, that's that's uh, probably under recognized, but there's a ton of that happening right now. Um, you know, yeah. they're they're what. Yeah, go ahead. Now, now you know, it, like for a long time, with with exceptions, of course, like IBM sort of like play was like, we're not actually going to like move pixels around on the screen, like do the actual finished applications that businesses would run, but we have all this like middleware and infrastructure stuff in the back end, and maybe even some like business service type of stuff, but we're not going to like enter your market and compete directly with you. We'll just like make software used to do it, and it seems like kind of to um you know like i can't actually go as a consumer and like transcribe my stuff anywhere on amazon as far as i can tell nor on google you right like i i'd have to write write some code or some shit to do it which at this point is not going to happen but it's well, they've got their new code review tool <laughs> i could have someone help me. but 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 it seems like like you know, especially like looking over the, the the stuff this year, that Amazon is similarly in that position where like there seems to be some sort of conscious like strategic decisions of like maybe we're actually not going to sell insurance and instead we'll like sell this insurance supporting stuff to all the insurance providers. Well, that's definitely an angle Microsoft's playing against them, right? Is is you know Amazon's going to come into your market, so why would you be there? And, and so, you know, Microsoft has has beat that drum heavily, and uh, you know, definitely a lot of retailers uh, feel it, and and you know, they go to Azure. Um, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, in retail, it makes sense, but it seems like, well, I you know, in 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 some, uh, not, I don't want to be like the John C. Dvorak of like no one's ever going to use a mouse, but like it it seems like a little bit of like uh, some of that, you know. Uh, a lot of competitive talk is sort of like the drunk looking for his keys under a lamppost. It's just like, oh, that one's there, so I'm going to mention it. But I don't know. Like, like it doesn't seem like Amazon's in a tremendous amount of other industries outside of like retail and drones and infrastructure stuff <laughs> and like AI delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So, so, so grocery sure, stores. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, there's there's logistics stuff that they mess around in, right? But like, I don't. There's not like a whole lot of other things. So there's logistics, retail, and like selling computers. But if you just there. if you just take all the AI companies, cars. but think about it this way, Kote. I think if you just if you just took all the companies and added them up and said, hey, these are companies that that could potentially really uh, see Amazon as a threat, right? So all the retail. All like UPS, FedEx, right? Um, all the groceries. I mean, you quickly get to like, wow, this is a sizable number of of enterprise companies. Like this would like if you had all of these those companies as customers, you would have a great business. So yes. it is it is one of those things where because I, I tend to agree with you a lot of times. I, I just you know there isn't like oh there's just this master plan, but the more that it happens, the more that like you will hear customers talk about like someone just saying in a meeting, it's like, yeah, we've decided we're not going to go to AWS because there's some corporate decision that it, it just yeah, could yeah, lead yeah. to some competitive stuff. So that's, I mean, I think that's for Azure. I mean, I think to your point, I agree with you hundred percent, Matt is like, that's going to keep somebody like Azure and Google cloud, right? That alone will keep them around and being competitive, right? Just because people need that alternative. Um, and then I think it remains to be seen though, 
just how big and and how much like Netflix was the other one I guess you know Netflix and Amazon uh, Prime Prime Video right yeah. um, we'll see if it really has some material effect at some point because obviously this has been going on for a long time people compete in some areas and they um, partner in others so it's it's not totally unprecedented but it is a question that comes up more and more yeah I mean I mean so yeah I mean you have retail logistics and then IT and then there's like I mean. Uh, I don't know. Robotics. People are always people are always freaked out about like tech companies entering banking, which which is you know we've talked about a little bit before. It's always a little dicey. But then you know you got your financial stuff and pharmaceuticals and manufacturing and like all these other industries. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is. Uh, it's, they're it's in some, the pharmacy business. They're like, you know. What, mm-hmm. like, but but do they actually like manufacture and own IP and distribute things, or do they just have that weird press release with J.P. Morgan Chase and Warren Buffett like? Like it doesn't seem like like it, it's sort of like uh you know like uh uh Larry and Sergey or however you say his name the the Tosok people Toshu people like like have stepped down from doing whatever it is they did and you like look at all the alphabet stuff and it's like cool right like it's all this other like <laughs> robots well, but and, I mean, I think, and stuff like that but really it's I don't just know, like but, a core thing the, but maybe the core thing is just the ads they sell. I don't know, but maybe be more specific because I do think there are like there are at least two places where I think people would see real pain. Like one, a lot of people who sell retail on Amazon feel like Amazon then offers, you know, a white labeled product that competes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think Nike famously just tricked their stuff off Amazon. So like if you listen to some of those retailers, like they have this uh you know, love hate, right? They have to be on Amazon, but then Amazon is quickly, you know, um selling, you know, their product at like a third of the cost. So yeah, yeah. those people, I think, I think the pain is real. And then kind of back in our space. And I, I don't know, Matt, if, if you saw this one, I was going to ask you about it was, um, they announced, uh, I guess we call it ultra warm for, uh, mm. for Amazon elastics service. Um, which I'm, I'm always want to say ultra worm. So when I mispronounce that, I probably, <laughs> I'm just apologizing in advance, but I guess, you know, my, my take on that was, uh, essentially allow you to store more of your, I don't know, log data and make it more accessible faster. And I, I know this was one of these things where it's like, I don't know of Elasticsearch. Do they offer something like this already? Was this like a, a catch-up thing? Um, because I, I don't know. I didn't see any Elasticsearch uh, blog post or anything on it. it doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just That was one where I was like, I'm clearly, if you're Elasticsearch, right? When you see that, that, that can't make you feel good. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not familiar with Elasticsearch's uh, hosted offering, but... Um, I bet they have some sort of, you know, premium tier where you pay for this and Amazon, you know, is probably just undercutting their premium tier. Uh, that's, that's my totally uninformed, um, okay. take and I, I, I bet I'm right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you probably are, but I didn't know because they made, they, that one actually, I was surprised how long, um, that got on stage cause he spent. Yeah. So yeah. It, there were, there was, were a lot uh, of jabs at Elasticsearch. Um, yeah, or, or it felt that way that one felt a little that did feel a little i don't know maybe spiteful is the wrong word but it it did feel like you know it it kind of was uh (laughs) whatever like the wire you know you come at the king you best not miss it was like wow (laughs) elastic search came at the king and it was like elastic search is sort of on blast right now so um i don't know that's going to be like a real interesting one to watch and maybe to your point cote like last i saw elastic search was still doing fine so maybe it hasn't been 
you know, the sky is not falling there. They had, yeah. they had premium. No, I, I think, I, I think, I think your, your, your Nike point is, uh, that's, 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 that's a good point. And the, I was just reading some, uh, there was a review of Allbirds versus Amazon generic version of Allbirds. I don't, I don't yeah. really know what those shoes are, but that is, that does widen the net out. And it goes back to the, uh, uh, people who supply stuff to a dominant retailer like the, this used to be this the thing with walmart is like as you were saying still is i guess walmart used to be the the emblematic version of this that like if if you want to sell anything in the in in uh you know north america you've got to like do what walmart wants and then there were all these you know thought pieces about how they would like almost drive companies out of business and force levi's to move manufacturing to uh, mexico and stuff like that um, I think there was one about how Vlasic was going to get shut down because the pickles were priced incorrectly. Uh, but it, that does like that kind of situation on the on the retail side. Definitely, that's a whole other realm of uh, paranoia. Uh, you know, valid paranoia to have. And then, yeah, I mean, definitely, like uh, as we have cataloged, if you have some open source software that people enjoy using, then you might be fucked. Like it's pretty much uh, how. <laughs> And, and unless unless you can uh, figure out a way to wangle like uh, some differentiation of why people would buy it from you versus someone else, or you can like lower your need for like double digit growth every quarter or whatever. Like uh, if it becomes super popular, then someone will come in and uh, duplicate it. Uh, who's got a lot bigger guns than you do, or or whatever has more money and market reach and things like that, and probably has a, at the very least will make life hard for you as a company which is unfortunate, yes. but, uh, yeah, we'll see how they drive down, uh, you know, health insurance rates. That would, that would be great. Looking forward. <laughs> well, as we wind down, I think the last like fun fact I, I saw on, uh, another keynote is they did announce. So they announced, uh, the number I saw was 68,000. So there were 68,000 people at AWS reInvent this year. So that's an interesting number to track. Like is, is this the high point or does it, I don't know. Does it, somebody told on, in the, the, uh, the software defined talks Slack, they mentioned that, uh, Dreamforce is like a hundred k, hundred thousand people. So I, I guess there's room to grow, but uh, it seems like it's it's pretty big at this point. Doesn't sound fun. <laughs> does sound or maybe that's fun. just my my Vegas projecting. Yeah, yeah, Def- definitely it'll get bigger, right? With the portfolio of all the stuff they have, they'll just do like uh, more and more, have little sub conferences and stuff. Well, uh, do we got any uh, exciting feedback from listeners this week, Brandon? Well, we did. We actually got it over the past couple of weeks. I wanted to thank a couple of people. Uh, Pontes from Sweden, um, he emailed us. He said, um, uh, please send some stickers to Brighton, Brighton, the never ending night that has just started. So we did. Hopefully he's enjoying this, uh, the stickers and hopefully it's not too dark there. And then I want to give a really big thanks to Mark from West Hartford, who I sent some stickers to last week. But he, in exchange, sent me a package of a whole bunch of things. So I got uh, some Air National Guard uh, stickers of the C-130. I got a, a challenge coin, like a military challenge coin. got a bunch of water bottles. Uh, so I got all this stuff. got this big package. It was really cool. Uh, my son was really impressed that I got all this stuff. He's like, what is this? And I explained it to him. He was like, wow. And then he, he immediately took it and uh, put it in his room. So I was like, <laughs> all right, well, uh, mission accomplished. So thanks, uh, thanks to Mark. 
uh, for doing that and sending that. It was, it was really nice. Um, and of course, if you would like a Software Defined Talk sticker, which I just reordered, I'm reloaded for the new year, so I've got plenty of them. Just send me your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and we will be happy to send you some laptop stickers anywhere in the world. And of course, you don't have to put them on your laptops or your notebooks. I've actually seen them used all kinds of ways. So send me an email and I'll send you some stickers. I, I put them on my bikes front and back, which explains the huge uptick, uptick we've had in Amsterdam <laughs> listeners over the past year and a half. It just just through the roof. It's phenomenal. We're going to start doing ads in Dutch, uh, basically, is, is where we're at with that. Oh, that's well, going to be harder. <laughs> we'll get them pre-recorded. <laughs> uh, well, there, there's there's a couple conferences going on. It's uh, lull in conference time. I was just thinking I need to actually uh, look up and apply to things uh, next year, see what's going on out there. But there's, uh, I think, I think there's still a, a, a Kubernetes forum in Sydney that Matt Ray will be at, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Next week, uh, gonna gonna hit that and learn some. I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna learn some Anthos, maybe. Oh, Anthos! That we have to report back on that. That'll be good. And then there's, yeah. uh, in Seattle, January 21st and 22nd, there's Delivery Conf. And if you use the code SDT10, you can get 10% off. You can use that 10% to uh, buy something nice for yourself. I guess. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff way out in the year. There's a GitLab commit on January 14th where you can explore their, their strategic pillars and see what they're up to. I should walk up to them at a, at a conference one time and have them give me an overview of what they do. That would be fun. So as mentioned several times, if you want to join the uh, Software Defined Talk Slack channel, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack. There's a lot going on in there, especially if you want to uh, ask us questions for our uh, – episode we'll do where we answer whatever questions you ask that we select and uh in in ways we choose to hopefully that'll be fun uh i don't know to answer a question ahead of time i think all of us always wear matching socks we have an experience with the unmatching socks thing i know that's a burning question people have um we also uh, are in the twitter and instagram and all that kind of nonsense you can look it up but if you want to see the show notes for this episode and all those kind of things just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com to find those links but with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, this week, uh, I'm, I'm recommending the SysAdvent 2019 blog series. So uh, a couple of folks put together a just random assortment of um, DevOps blogs to cap off the end of the year. Um, you know, they're each uh, interesting in their own ways. So uh, uh, check that out. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I'll get my post up before too long. We have an advent calendar for our dog, so that's what's going on over here. I, I don't know if the dog likes it or not. I'm sure she likes the treats. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend this week? A couple things. One is I watched the uh, the new Netflix movie, The Irishman. It's the one with, uh, let's see, what Martin Scorsese, Joe Pesci, um, all the big names. So it was good. It is, uh, as everyone said, it's basically three and a half hours. So um, it was good to watch over Thanksgiving, though, if you have some time. If you just, well, I, I had to watch in a couple sittings, but uh, it was it was very good. If you like Goodfellas and all of that kind of stuff, um, it is epic. But it was it was worth it. I enjoyed watching it. Um, I will also say I'll give an update on the Watchmen. Still watching the Watchmen. It was yep. it's been really good so far. We're up to season seven. And I, I just I'm I'm just gonna admit to myself, I've done it again. I've gotten sucked into the show. There are only three episodes <laughs> left. And the amount of disappointment I'm trying to prepare myself for 
is it's it's going to be bad, I'm sure. But I'm so far, what can I say? I've really enjoyed it, but but I've gone too far. There's no going back. Um, and then the other recommendation I was going to make was uh, was really from Matt. You you put this in there. It was a uh, uh, interview with uh, Dave Terry from yeah. um, uh, for One Password, and it was uh, with him and uh, DHH over on the Rework podcast. It was okay. really good because they were um, you know it's the kind of podcast I like. It's like two two people that are really successful, but they really kind of, you know, pull back the curtain on like, you know, what is it like to take um, money off the table? Essentially, that's kind of what they got into. One password is, I think we talked about raised like $200 million a few weeks ago, months ago. And um, I think DHH was sort of upset and kind of there's this little Twitter spat and then they got on and they talked about it and he really asked them a bunch of good questions about, you know, how do you decide if you're going to take money off the table? How do you make those decisions? So it was just, you know, it was one of those things, if you're in technology or if you ever thought about starting your own company or, you know, what you would do in these situations. It was interesting to hear them candidly talk about uh, what it's like and some of the choices they made. So I definitely recommend that podcast that Matt recommended to me. Mm. Well, speaking, there you of, go. Speaking, speaking of podcasts that were recommended, I started listening to that. Is it called Recode, Brandon, with the Kara Swisher? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah the Pivot. That. The Pivot. I, pivot. That's, there that's you the go. Pivot podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, don't listen to Recode. That's a different podcast. But I, You can. I, that's, a, that's a different one. Yeah. But I, Pivot is what you're thinking. I endorse the Pivot podcast. That's a good podcast. It's it's not too bad, and I think they have it twice weekly, so it's like the weed stuff. They're just moving that inventory, and uh, yeah, it's 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 fine. They talk about the usual like inane tech world stuff, but at least it's entertaining. And every now and then they talk about uh, I don't know normal things or something. And uh, our, the the professor guy there, of course, is uh, he's quite the ham. He's crazy, and uh, he really likes that Mandalorian. Is that is that a show I need to watch? I have not seen it. I have not taken the plunge into Disney Plus yet, but people say it's good. I've heard it's good. Yeah. Eh, maybe for Christmas. Maybe for that's Christmas. What I, <laughs> yeah, putting that off. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so so that's a, that's a good podcast. And then uh, also, uh, I, I started reading this. Uh, I never know how to say his name. Alan DeButton. Alan DeButton. But he has a book I've been, I've been uh, uh, ahead of my to-do list for a while called Art is Therapy. And it's kind of like a, uh, this kind of like overview of like one way to, use art or like to think mm-hmm. about art and it's uh it's pretty good it's like very uh there's a few like fun little bold statements here and there where the best one that that's runs throughout is like there's this theory that nowadays that we have of art that like it's not supposed you're not supposed to like it's supposed to be mystical and you're not supposed to like necessarily understand it and it can be opaque and definitely it shouldn't look pretty and then he's basically the two authors are like that's a bunch of bullshit except they do it in a very polite <laughs> kind of Swiss type of way. They're like, and there's a good section on how like, uh, you know, in ancient Greece, beauty was thought to be both physical and uh, inward looking and how that kind of changes the way that uh, they go about thinking about their art. But it's fun. It's, it's a very uh, uh, approachable way of, of like, you know, if you go to a museum and you're like me and you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this, right? Like this, this looks fun, but I got no idea what I'm supposed to do. And uh, there's lots of case studies, so to speak in there. So with that, this has always has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, peruse the other ones and uh, start subscribing so you can hear uh, answers to questions submitted, exciting interviews, and other things. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can find all of that there. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll enjoy it. And with that, we'll see everyone <laughs> next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, all right. So I'll give you some pepper note if you sing this song. 
Is that it? Yes. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa.